0: Along the rotting rails lines a wood. It ends where the track begins, and it's not right. Trees don't queue, says our guide, and darts into the underbrush, following what was once a road. But I see no sign of infrastructure. We left direction long ago. Here, the air is cooler, the sun punches through the tree line, littering the earth like shrapnel. When I was young, I watched them pierce the dark and called them stars, reincarnations of their night sky selves. But I soon learned that the horizon cut these worlds in two, and this world gives way to rock and shield, not the porous karsk I have grown used to, but granite. The land is solid, and it is hurt, cut into the land like flesh. These wounds run deep, and they scar. We track these cuts, unaware and searching. I imagine it often begins like this, curiosity and ignorance. I imagine it's a process, a slow decline, degradation in half lives. 1956. The trains have crafted their own mystery, and I am lost in their description. There is a wreck amid the Pacific Northwest. It lies shrouded in the wood. There is evidence of their discovery and dismantlement, found and left, attempts of refurbishment and reinvention. Barriers and bridges, remnants of skate parks and bike paths lie scattered in its wake, but the wood has rotted through and caused collapse. For here the elements still reign, and they have claimed the wreck in monument. Winters freeze, and moistures tear away all manner of integrity. Decay caused from the top down, and the inside out. Here, only ghosts survive. Here, they echo and refuse time. How would you start a ghost story? Maybe the key is to realize that you are not the one to start it. Like so many myths, they began long ago, before your ego made it yours to tell, to take and own and share. And I've said it before, this is not my story. But this is a moment I return to, time and time again, through the seasons and from different paths. But let me tell you about the first, for once we will go in order. We came across it by accident, and this made all the difference. There were many towns abandoned along the service roads leading into the range, and service road is a euphemism for unpaved. The roads are dirt, they are narrow and they are steep, and they are not consistent. No, they are interrupted by rockslides and rivers, and this one was no exception. Take the wrong road, and you'll find yourself on the opposite mountain, looking over at your destination a ridge away. This is not a warning, simply a retelling. This is what happened to us. The sun beamed down relentlessly. It hadn't rained in months, and a cloud of orange dust trailed behind us, kicked up by the tires. There is no service here, no road indicated on any map. No digital map, anyway. These are the old forest service roads. Mostly left alone, they led you deep into nowhere. Places abandoned at the turn of the century. This wasn't just wilderness. This was reclaimed. Like those before us, we'd lost our hold, our footing and direction. It will have you going in circles, spinning tales of gold and ore and other riches, Go far enough and you'll run out of land altogether, replaced by snow and ice and sea. So much sea. It's the water that connects these places, connects us to them still. And this water is a river. It crosses the province and its borders through the Rockies before emptying into the Pacific. This is the Fraser, and it is over 1,300 kilometers long. Along it dot the ghost towns of the region, industries that rose and fell along its current – lumber, copper, and of course gold, depending on the century, and on your latitude. It can all be traced northwards, along the same road – there's only one. Even now, northwards and backwards, all spinning out of order, and it comes with its own type of rush and we've named them accordingly, bear country, caribou country. We like to name things by their warnings and their riches, for the two often go hand in hand. Like I said, here the stakes are higher, the elements are real, and the predators watchful. Strange how the North is seen as wild and untame in most places and it's a common enough thread to bear investigating. But let's instead speak of the wild. We play it up enough, that much is for sure, as if it were its own spell. Then again, maybe it is. Everywhere you look are crashing waves, hills and valleys, and horizons disappearing into the range. A spell of freshness, freedom and fairness, at least, that's how Robert Service described it. And there's something else in this farness that escape will have you hoping. But hope can be a dangerous thing, for it is a word so easily used in place of greed. Hope and greed, ambition and lust. This was a drive and dream that took many lives, so many more than the chances that it gave lives in the name of riches and glory. And it wasn't always for gold, and certainly not confined to the past tense. The question here is one of value itself, and what was valued here, more than anything else, was its resources. Call it gold, copper, lumber, salmon coal or oil, the pursuit of minerals and materials has plagued a large portion of our history. I use the word plague, because where there is abundance, there is desire, competition and exploitation, and it's infectious. After all, what is it we're always saying about power corrupting? And it's a beautiful land, but oh how we've scarred it so. I suppose this is what we were doing here in the first place. We had some names names of ghost towns dotting the hills inside the Sound. Their industries varied, from forestry to mining, trains and tracks up the river connecting them all along the way, bringing these resources down to the coast and into the city to be sold. But this network was not as succinct as this description may suggest. Decades distanced them as much as the trees themselves, For some, we had GPS coordinates. For others, simply the name of the exit you took off the highway. I suppose, in a way, we went to see if they were there at all. As with most ghost stories, it seemed far too fanciful to simply be left abandoned by the road. And I'm not sure what possessed me. It was a whim so strong it couldn't help but be followed. It sucks you in. And now and then, I think of service's words, the freshness, the freedom, the farness. Later he adds, the stillness, the moonlight, the mystery. Perhaps these six words described it best. Because the land itself has a call, you see, it still does. So high, so deep, vast and open. To simply be in it is its own drug. And it was the simple fact that they were there that mattered. After all, people have sought out more on far less. This is a story fueled on contradiction. I say that because I don't think stories can be fueled by anything else. Where there's love, there's loss, loss and gain, gains and breaks, the tension of which is audible. Perhaps that's why they call it a sound, this triangular network of fjords that empty out into the sea. The sea to sky. It collides, and it is from here we begin to make our way. And here's where I should warn you. Now's the time to turn back. Here, where the roads are paved and there are still signs telling us where we are and where we're going. Here where direction is as clear as day and the wilderness is kept at bay. Consider yourself warned, warned against staying where you are. Indeed, I think we've all had quite enough of that of late. So to those of you still with me, let me ask you this. What is it that draws you in? And you don't have to tell me. Call it what you will, Let your motivations be your own. After all, I already know. I know because it was the same for me. Besides, I heard your breath catch, along with your attention long ago. Follow me, off this path. We'll take the rails instead, but watch your step. They've rotted through in spots. We'll follow them up the sound, find the mouth of the river and make our way towards Lake Alta. It will be a spectacular sight, water so green it resembles an emerald, and you'll gaze deep into its heart. The summer months keeps it clear, so long as it remains undisturbed. You'll cross rapids like turquoise ice and feel the chill from the glacier waft up from its banks despite the season. And you'll drink it in. Don't worry, the water's sweet. Here, it's safe. Only soon you'll start to see the way of things here, the patterns that arise and inevitably those that look out of place. You'll begin to see you aren't the only ones who have walked these rails. And then, finally, you'll find yourself staring, as we did, at the trees. They're not right. No. No you'll have started to notice that the trees along the rail are far more ordered than they should be, that they seem to form a line, and that they are smaller than the rest. You'll see that in fact you can see through them, that the land dips down almost immediately into what must eventually meet up again with the water. You'll notice that there is a junction box and that you can make it into a mile marker and convince yourself that you'll be able to make your way back up to the rails and to the junction box. And with this, you'll dart into the underbrush, but you won't see them right away. Instead, you'll find a new trail to follow, and it's not a path per se. Rather, it's a trail of cars, and they are old. They're yellow and red and vary in make and model, And they're for working, for hauling and towing. These cars come with their own attachments, and you'll follow them in deeper. Until you find a town, what's left of one. Its wooden cabins have long blown over. Some you can even see the foundation. See the chimney and kitchen hearth. This was a lumber town. And this is what the trains were carrying. It's not like we went looking for them. The trains, I mean. No, it's that we noticed their derailment. Cut still hurled deep into the ground. And this wasn't dirt. It was shield. Large plateaus of bedrock that looked as if they had been wounded. Parallels drawn into the land, like a map we couldn't read. And yet, knew we were to follow. Dragonflies snapped in the air. They sounded like sparks. Ten days until rain. Or so the saying goes, and we've always held out hope, for the summers were hot and dry, and fire seasonal. And it all seemed still, the air, the wind, the cars, the town. I remember that struck me as strange, preserved in its ruin, and bittersweet. For it wasn't old enough to gain its charms. There was no creeping ivy, piercing through the bedrock. Here, the homes were made of wood, and their slats remained. I imagine tying a string onto those that had fallen over, imagine tying it to its corners and pulling it back up as if all it needed was to be rotated 90 degrees counterclockwise. No, these ruins aren't old enough. Ferns punched through the flooring and moss grew on its surfaces, but they weren't uprooted. You could still see gaps where the roads once were, and smaller ones for those on foot. Then, you began to see these trails reused. Newer boardwalks, new and yet still abandoned. But they had been left at different times, and here it had elapsed. After all, I told you, we weren't the only ones to come here. And you find yourself following them, Your curiosity has taken hold, and you left the junction box long ago, left its sight, and forgot that it was there. What is happening? And I want to say it's like an orchestra, a swelling symphony conducted by the days, that there is something here, just out of sight, taking hold, a beat. And it comes from all sides, percussions and strings and woodwinds, coming together and breaking apart. It's the wind and rain, earth and ice. It was everything that lives on, long past us. And it's ironic, this metaphor of sound. I've tried to work with it before, but it's been pointed out to me that I'm too visual. I lack the language of the metaphor I'm trying to extend. I know it in the abstract. Terms like vibrato, crescendo, and allegro. I know of its accelerations and its gains, its tempo, and how it breaks. I know these things in the way we all must know them. One at a time, and all too repeatedly. We speed up and slow down. At times we hop and race until our heart can no longer bear such speeds. Plots brought to a climax, only to once again descend. After all, We've entered into this with our eyes wide open, I told you to turn back, I told you that you wouldn't. For this is when you realise the cracking and the buzzing is within you, and here is where I must apologise, for I'm afraid I've made my obsession yours, I've caught you listening, to this time and to this place, and I'm not sure what to tell you. The rippling heat has your eyes playing tricks on you. It must. Otherwise, it's showing you the strangest sight. For from this ledge, you've reached the trains. A disjointed, a misshapen sight of carriages strewn across the forest floor. They are unconnected, each individual in their crash. You try to count them. Five, six, seven, eight. They go on too long, and you have to get a closer look carriage continues tune in and join us through a story of place memory history and photography this is a story seen through many moments and how we choose to frame them it is a story about trains about journeys and about us it's a story about inspiration and obsession haunting and resolve so let me ask you are you coming